What's up, everybody? Adam, that's your cue. That's my cue. How's yeah. it going, everybody? Are you doing all right? <laughs> I'm doing all right. Adkins, you doing okay? I'm doing fine. I feel like I threw you for a loop just by changing the the words that I usually speak at the top of these. You you totally froze. Yeah, I just was like, I, for some reason, I expected you to come back in with something. I was like, oh, cool. He's setting us up with something, some kind of new intro. Like, I'm, I'm going to dig this. And I expected maybe you would throw in some new music. I don't know. But but then you expected me to say something. So I was like, ah, I'll wait for him to come back in. <laughs> yeah, like I said, it's it's a good habit to kind of break yourself out of uh, out of scripts and routines every now and then. Absolutely. Otherwise, uh, you end up saying that we're going to pick up right here where we left off last time, like every episode, several times an episode. Well, you'll still have the opportunity to do so again here shortly. It's true. Uh, but yeah, it is. I also shake it up because it always causes you to pause. You always yeah. are expecting <laughs> me to say... Um, what I can't even tell you what I nor- what do I normally say because I was intentionally trying not to say it. I think I've just blanked it straight up out of my head. I don't Everybody, know. Everybody, this is Atkins, right? I, yeah, yeah, I think so. I'm so used to the formula. You know what I mean? Like I yeah, feel like in my yeah. head, I know I expect it to go a certain way, and when it doesn't, I do. I'm just like, huh? Okay. Well, I think the last time I shook <laughs> it up on you, what you I said intent- my name. Yeah, yeah. I said, hey, everybody, this is Adam, and you did not know how to handle that, and it was so much fun. Yeah, yeah, that was funny. <laughs> I love the subtleties in the episodes, man. You know, you do. I feel like you like to, to kind of do little things like that, and I pick up on it later when I re-listen to it, and I'm like, oh, that's what he meant. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're welcoming you to another episode of the Almighty Podcast, where I'm recovering all things My Hero Academia, uh, and not ruling out uh, ties and socks from Hot Topic. We'll, we'll get there eventually, but we've got... Uh, a little bit of Vigilantes left and, and some other side projects, uh, spin-off series, I guess would be the appropriate term, team, team up missions and, and, uh, uh, a movie, the, uh, there's a movie. Volumes. Yeah. We still have a yeah. movie. So, well, the movie, I don't think it's supposed to be due out in the States until like October. So it's going to be a while. We still haven't done it. That's besides the point. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Is the, have we confirmed that the, does the anime come back in the fall? Is that right? Am uh, I remembering that right? I think it has been announced. Let's see. Yeah, it's okay, guys. We just run a My Hero Academia podcast. We don't know anything about it, honestly. <laughs> I think it's coming out again later in the fall. I just blinked I know I've in seen like, like three teaser years trailers for season by, six. So, yeah, yeah, season yeah. six. Uh, let's see. The release date, it just says fall 2022. There you go. That's good enough for me. Uh, so we may actually, it may work out really well for us then, because we'll have the movie in the fall. Yeah. Um, so we'll, then, we'll have a good, kind of like a good bit of content. Blast off the intro to season six. True, true. Well, speaking of movies, Adam, guess what I did this past week? I'm guessing it has something to do with a movie. It does. Um, it actually has uh, maybe something to do with my hero, question mark. So here's the thing. If, uh, you know, early on in the days of the AMP, uh, I tried to be a lot more uh, proactive on Twitter with regards to like sharing trivia and things like that. We spent a lot of time during our episodes covering the quote unquote hidden meanings to names that aren't so hidden and are very uh, obvious if you know Japanese. Uh, And so we spent a lot of time on uh, the My Hero Academia wiki fandom pages, looking at different characters and stuff like that. And part of their trivia, you know, we tease out some of the interesting stuff. One of the ones that had always caught my eye was on Shoto Aizawa's page, because it says that uh, Shota shares uh, his hero name with the 1977 drama slash fantasy film Eraserhead, directed by one David Lynch. Uh, Not necessarily that his name was inspired by this movie but that it's it's a shared title right so i was 
cruising around on HBO Max and I came across Eraserhead. I had never seen it, but it seemed like a movie that would appeal to me. Um, it, it actually come up in discussions in a couple of the horror podcasts that I am subscribed to. So I gave it a watch. And oh boy, that oh, yeah? is yeah, that is a movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man, it's it's what, what kind of, of what genre a... is it? Is it like sci-fi thriller or uh, tell me about it? Well, give, me, give me a little bit of breakdown here. Yeah, so uh, I, I think it falls into the horror genre somewhere. Uh, I, what did the, what did the wiki call it? I just had it up. Um, it it's like a drama slash fantasy movie. I think is what they called it. And so I horror movies are some of my favorite things in the whole wide world. That's what I watch to unwind. Most every night I'm watching something scary. Uh, and so I sat down to a, a watch Eraserhead. And I, I, I'd like to think that I'm not a, a, an unintelligent human being. But when I finished watching this movie, I was like, the hell did I watch? It's one of those movies <laughs> where like when you finish, you're trying to still figure out what it is that you just watched. Uh, and so I went and read some articles on it, um, listened to a couple podcast episodes that I skipped over just so I wasn't spoiled on what I would sit down to. The The long and the short of the plot is uh, there. there's a, a, a character in this movie, uh, and he is he's kind of living by himself in this very industrial setting. He finds out that his ex-girlfriend uh, is pregnant and had a child, uh, and then they kind of move back in together because the mom forces them to get married. But the, the girl says something strange. Like initially she's like, the doctors aren't even sure that it is a, a child or is a human. One of those two things. What? And this thing that they bring into his little one bedroom apartment is wrapped in swaddling cloths. And I don't know what the hell the practical effects were, but it was the most alien looking thing I may have ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> it was this, like when I was trying to explain this movie to a friend of mine in town, he was like, I have to Google just to see what this baby looks like, because I was like, it's unlike anything you've ever seen. So if you're listening to this podcast, go ahead and hit pause real quick. Search Eraserhead Baby. Adam, I invite you to do so right now and see if Whoa. you can. Yeah. <laughs> it's the wildest looking thing of all time. It looks kind of like a dinosaur baby or like a lamb almost. It's or very like strange. Sheep. This is weird. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's wrapped in swaddling clothes. They can't get it to eat. It ended up getting sick. It cries all the time. So the, the girlfriend leaves him alone with this baby. Um, he starts to have these weird like daydreams about this woman that lives behind his radiator. And he has this weird sexual encounter with this pretty lady across the hall. Um, and then he is sitting down with this baby all by himself. And he tries to cut the swaddling clothes away. And it turns out that the baby doesn't have any body. The swaddling clothes are like holding all of its guts together what? and so everything spills out and oh then he ends God. up stabbing some of the innards and it like boils up everywhere and he has a dream where like his head falls off and a kid takes his severed head to a pencil factory and the head is made into erasers that's how they get the name of this movie it's full of the most bonkers imagery it, he's like it's like sperm is all over this movie like the the spermatozoa shape is in there uh, all over the place and long story short like the the things that i read and the the episodes that i listened to is people apparently way smarter than i am figured out what uh, what they think that this movie is about which is about the fear of of being a father so david lynch apparently was going to be a new father when he sat down and was writing and directing this thing and so he made this movie about the fears of fatherhood like how am i going to do this on my own 
This baby is basically this alien presence unknown to me. I don't know how to care for it. Him daydreaming about the lady behind the uh, the radiator who was like stepping on small versions of his child as like he's fantasizing about having it not, you know, killing it or not having it in his life. The fantasy of having this consequenceless tryst with the lady across the hall, all this stuff. Um, I, I highly recommend, it, you know, looking up, just Google what the hell is a racer head about? Um, and you'll get some really interesting <laughs> discussions on it. So just because I have a My Hero uh, Academia podcast with you, I was like, I wonder, you know, obviously the wiki page that uh, says that he shares the name doesn't say that he was inspired by this movie. Uh, but I did try to figure out, okay, how can I make it such that this movie does make sense being applied to Aizawa? Um, and the closest I could really get to was the way that Aizawa approaches the students in his classroom. Not that he has daydreams about having them stepped on, um, but that he he's very kind of apprehensive about them at first. Uh, they do eventually grow on him, right? Um, but there's there's apprehension uh, and we find out later what, where that comes from, particularly uh, from the uh, Shirakumo backstory that we get much later on in Vigilantes and teased a little bit in My Hero, which I still think is weird. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm totally grasping at straws. I highly recommend anybody watch it if you just want to watch something that is deeply, deeply weird. Um, check out Eraserhead. It is streaming on HBO Max right now. David Lynch is also kind of well known for being uh, kind of a, a kooky kind of director. Yeah. But um, Eraserhead is apparently a, b a much bigger movie than I was ever even aware of. It, it's in the National Film Registry right now, which is like not an accolade that every movie gets. Oh, wow. So this movie sounds totally nuts. <laughs> like, it I, is. I'm going to go watch it just because it sounds, I, I mean, it definitely sounds up my alley in the sense that it's going to leave you like, what, what did I just watch? I like movies like that. So I'm going to give this a shot see if maybe I can make some of my own connections. Uh, but I like what you're doing there. I mean, I, I really like the idea of taking these two similarly related concepts, even if it's just based on a name and making it work somehow. Uh, you know, I'm kind of trying to do that with the uh, universes in Kaio Cinema with these Dragon Ball Z movies, mm -hmm. like making them fit into a timeline. I love stuff like that, like fan theories, things like that, just totally up my alley. So kudos, man. That's a cool one. Yeah, prepare yourself for, I would place Eraserhead firmly within the body horror genre, for sure. Um, there's a lot of body horror, especially with regards to the baby, but not exclusively so. Um, and it is very metaphorical, like uh, m almost everything that you're seeing in that movie is imagery for something else. It's not yeah. meant to be taken at face value. But if you sit and watch that movie and and try to think of it as presenting everything as it actually appears what a ride that was because that's what i did you know i didn't know what i was sitting down to i'm i'm at the end of this movie going what the crap is going on yeah yeah uh, <laughs> that's awesome so, yeah anyway eraser head uh give it a shot if you just want a wild ride of a i don't know hour and a half maybe movie probably shorter than that i would guess there's a movie out there that i love that's it's definitely body horror as well and i'm sure you've watched it it's called tusk yeah it's one of kevin smith's movies are yep. you familiar with that so i love that movie because it's like a ticking time bomb like i've set several people down to watch it and when they're done they're just like what the hell man like what did you just make me watch and then yeah. a couple <laughs> days later they'll text me and they'll be like dude that movie's genius and I love it every time. It's always happened. I, I think that that movie is, uh, it's left me sitting there just going like, what did I just watch? And then I fell in love with it. So 
I'm excited okay, to try another one. Okay, but have you watched there. the thing yet? I have not watched the thing yet. Um, so I'll tell you, I did start the new Batman movie. I'm like an hour and a half in, uh, but I'm. I think I started that two days ago. So I'm hoping to finish it tonight. After oh we my record. gosh! Yeah, I know. I hate having to split movies up like that, but man, that's that's dad life. The movie it is legitimately good. It's the the main villain of that movie literally is the runtime. It has no excuse being three hours long, and I have heard read reviews and heard people say, but it doesn't feel like three hours. I don't care if it doesn't feel like three hours. It still is objectively three hours. Yeah. And you, I could easily excise 30 minutes of that movie with a blink and it would still be great. In fact, I would argue it would be better. Um, but I will say that uh, it is the best Batman as detective movie that's ever been made. And that is one of the things that really elevated it for me. Like it showed Batman doing d- like detective deduction clue collecting forensic stuff um and i thought that that was super well done see I'm, and people could think what they want about pattinson but i thought he did fine i'm, I'm gonna have to i think restart this movie because i'm having a terrible experience with the audio quality like i'm watching it through hpo and it's so quiet that i'm having to jack the volume up to the point where it's waking up people in the house so it's like, okay, oh, interesting. I have to turn it down because like when they're talking, I can't hear anything. But then when the, uh, like the motorcycle goes through once or twice, or there's a fight scene, it's like, oh my God, it's so freaking loud. Uh, and the equalizer doesn't seem to be doing anything for it. So, uh, I have had Ooh. almost like slightly disinterested just because I can't hear what's happening. And like, I'm fine reading subtitles. I always have subtitles on, but it's just frustrating because like I can tell that there's something there and I'm just missing that part of it. Like a music makes a movie sometimes, you know, it sets the tone for so many yeah. things. So like without that, this movie, I don't want to say it's been boring, but it's just kind of like, oh, OK, they're doing things. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. The sound design and the score for Eraserhead is pretty critically praised. Right. Well, you know, come to the AMP for my hero content. Leave with four movie <laughs> recommendations. Eraserhead, The Thing. Batman and Tusk. So have fun. Well, you know what's great about this though? Batman leads us right into the opening of chapter 112 with our pal uh, you know, Knuckle Duster cuz he's basically like a Batman character. He's a, an equivalent here. Look at that segue. You you made it work. I'll give that to you. I tried. <laughs> well, we are finding ourselves right back here with Knuckle Duster who is ready to blow up everything, including himself. He is uh, telling Six that the bombs are primed to blow and he's saying that last time his big mistake was basically underestimating how fast and it, like the other physical enhancements that Six has, but he was able to escape in the long run. So this time he actually used a different type of fuel that is going to really turn up the heat kill off all the oxygen and there's no way that six is going to make it out of this one and uh you know he seems to be pretty jazzed and pretty confident that this is going to work yeah and he's super enjoying himself in this whole process too oh yeah absolutely like he's basically got six pinned to the ground the whole time and he's i don't want to say he's poking fun out of him he's just beating his face in yeah repeatedly um but one of the things that we uh did see six effect at the end of uh, the last chapter um this one by the way 112 is called the old timer i i I couldn't remember if you said that so i'm going to say it now just in case um he has so knuckle duster has got six in like full mount um the the, one of the worst positions you could find yourself in especially in any kind of uh any kind of fight or street fight uh in particular but six literally has a a trick not up his sleeve but in his arm palm uh, yeah because you remember (laughs) he had moved the 
uh, gun barrel and the bullets, uh, keeping it in uh, his right hand. And so he discharges it uh, into Knuckle Duster's chest. But Knuckle Duster ain't no dummy. Uh, he says that not only is he wearing uh, the bulletproof armor, which means that those bullets hurt real bad because it was point blank. Uh, but he's he's also, uh, he's like, yeah, you might have dented some organs, but I'm using my usual uh, cocktail of drugs to keep me going. And he says he only needs five more seconds anyway. So he starts counting down, um, emphasizing each uh, each descending number with a punch to Six's face, uh, even as the visage of All for One looks on. And uh, when he reaches zero, uh, he I, I think he depresses a button. Yeah, I think so. It's hard it to says tell. Beep, which makes me think that it's like like beeping when he's depressing that button and sending out that signal. Yeah, but then why would he? I guess the countdown was just dramatic. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. he could have just been like, I just needed this one second beep and press it. <laughs> he could have been, but why? I mean, he just he's yeah. dramatic. He still had some punching to do. Listen, um, he was a pro the, hero the, at one point. He had to do commercials and stuff. Like, he's just reliving the days, man. Yeah, that's true. That it's, The countdown would have uh, brought us to a commercial break, you right. know, if this were, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, the anime. <laughs> uh, but he presses the button, and the little device just says, error. Uh, and then Soga is on the scene, and he says that he had a feeling that this is exactly uh, what Knuckle Duster had planned. He had actually found all of the bombs and disarmed them. And he's frustrated with Knuckle Duster because he says, Koichi and the rest of us are putting our asses on the line to keep our people alive. So then you don't get to just blow yourself up and kick the bucket. And this is where he calls him an old timer, tying it to the title of the chapter. Yes, I like that. Real quick, if there were advertisements, there would totally be like a cereal brand named Koichio's. Koichios. Yeah, and they would just be like, <laughs> I'll his, allow it. Yes, we need like a shirt yeah, design or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because that's, I mean, the O shape is kind of what he, like a lot of his powers is displayed as visually. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, back into the issue here. Uh, Six is finding this hilarious. He's laughing out loud. He says, what a joke. And he, he goes on to say, it's kind of hilarious, Master. Your whole elaborate plot, your desperate resolve is swinging a miss from the get-go. And he looks over to Soga and he's like, look, I know what you're thinking. You know, this jerk's hurt real bad. His regeneration slowed down. He can't speed up again. Now's my chance to kill him with a headshot. But then he, he goes in to be like, you know, I know that you are not going to pull the trigger. He calls Soga a moron, a grade A moron. And he, you know, he goes on to talk about how he knows his master is effectively losing his mind and going senile. But not only that, he's chosen this grade A moron. And uh, he says, well, it's your last chance. Take a shot. What's it going to be? And as Soga is kind of like staring down the barrel of this gun, Six is standing up. He's rising back from this defeat. And out of nowhere comes Koichi. What an awesome takedown. Do you suspect that Six said what he did to Soga about knowing he doesn't have the guts to take a life based on the way that Soga fired at him in the uh, earlier chapters when he had the uh, sniping position? I do. Uh, I don't think that there's much else out there for Six to really judge himself on because Soga's not a vigilante. It's not like there's a whole lot to look up. You know what I mean? Right. I think early, uh, it, it's just interesting, right? Because our earliest interactions with Soga were violent thug behavior. Yeah, he was right? a bad he guy. Was basically, yeah, I mean, he was threatening to uh, have sexual advances upon a, a non-consenting pop in an alleyway and record it. Uh, and he was threatening to kill Koichi, uh, even pop trigger to that effect, um, to try to get his, uh, his, his revenge a little bit later. And now his story is just flipped, right? And it's kind of cool to compare where he is now to first impressions well i think back then. i think he's a bakugo foil 
like I think Koichi is supposed to be kind of like our Deku foil, and this is Bakugo, right? Like our first impressions of Bakugo, he's telling Deku to go kill himself, and like it's not. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. You know, he's not really this character in general that people really like. I don't think. Like I think there's a lot of hate out there because of the way that he talks down to everybody and treats people. And while I don't think Soga has that quality, he definitely has that same flip where it's you know when we're first introduced to him, he's kind of this nasty guy that has a bad attitude, bad personality, like someone you don't want to be friends with. And he, we see him become somebody that, yeah, they're prideful and they've got all these issues, but like, they're kind of doing it for a reason. So it's sort of justified, you know, like we get that Bakugo wants to be the best and we don't really know Soga's intentions here. Like, is he supposed to just be taking over the mantle for knuckle duster? Like, that's what it seems like, but we were never given any kind of real redemption arc for him. Like he's just all of a sudden good. So it's kind of gone unexplained up to this point. Yeah. His shift was pretty quick. It was just like one chapter he showed up and it was dressed like knuckle duster. Yeah. Kind of, (laughs) you know, (laughs) that's kind of how, how abrupt it seemed. That's what it felt like. Um, But he's definitely been, you know, playing for the good guy side since then. I mean, in like, even very self-sacrificially. Yeah. Um, And it's weird that none of the other stuff ever came up. Like you feel like, I don't know. It just seems like someone would have, or maybe would have said something at some point about about their initial meetings with him. You mean? Yeah. I mean, I think Koichi might have said something like just off the cuff, like, "Hey, didn't you threaten to beat me up once or something?" But it just seems like it would have been a bigger conversation. You would have heard Soga be like, "Hey, sorry about that." I wonder if that if all this is just simply explained by Knuckle Duster just grabbing Soga by basically by the the front of his shirt lifting him up off the ground and being like this can go one of two ways yeah you know yeah. And just being like i can either do my thing to your face or you you can kind of come under my wings and I, and i can i can train you up and and put you to some good work in the world to maybe overcome or combat some of the some of the things that he would have been aware because he knows that soga ended up on trigger at one point um uh and, and i'm sure that he had heard uh, from some of those run-ins from Pop and Koichi, possibly. Yeah, and I'm wondering if maybe some of it could also be explained by that trigger incident, like having, I don't want to use the word triggered uh, Sogo, but I'm going to, into this kind of like, hey, I got to get my stuff cleaned up. You know, like I got to be a better person. I don't, did, yeah. I didn't get oh, that yeah. impression, but maybe that's what it is. It's also been a long time, so I don't know. I don't want to dog yeah. Soga too much, but it does just feel like he kind of mirrors Bakugo in that one sense, that like they were kind of introduced as nasty characters, and now that you're supposed to like them, you know? Difference is, with Soga, we kind of got to see what, what might have been Soga's rock bottom. Like, one of the things that I am aware of especially with regards to teens is like they fall along a spectrum and sometimes there there's certain types of teens out there people in general i just work with teens predominantly but they in order to make a significant change they have to hit rock bottom and then spring up from there other people can kind of arrest their fall and course correct um mid descent if you want to keep with the terminology other people got to smack the bottom um like hit, hit the bottom of the well and then they can finally uh, reorient themselves and push back up. And, and maybe that's what we saw with Soga. It could be. It could be. Well, man, I got to say, uh, Soga aside, I really was not expecting Koichi to come out of nowhere and just take six out like that. And I don't know if it was planned. Like, if if Soga and Koichi put this idea together of Soga kind of distracting six. and Because they sort of go into this where... Uh, you know, Knuckle Duster is like, oh man, that's awesome. Like you made yourself bait before, you know, passing the baton to Koichi. Uh, 
so they, they had to have talked about it, but I just wasn't expecting it. I thought this was a really cool panel. Yeah. I mean, it's like a, uh, like a form perfect tackle or like a gold Bergian yeah. spear yeah. Um, of Co- uh, of six um, sends him off the building. And we get a little bit of a, a glimpse into Koichi's thought process because he's like, of all the things that this guy is able to do, we haven't seen him fly yet. So I'm going to drag him out of the neighborhood myself. And he's doing his uh, best Iron Man impression kind of with his kind of jet boot. Uh, kind of uh, maneuverability in the air. Uh, we we are made privy to this conversation between uh, Knuckle Duster and Soga uh, that you had kind of already alluded to. Knuckle Duster at least is under the impression that this was planned for Koichi to come onto the scene when he did. Uh, Soga trying to convince him that he needs some uh, first aid uh, and is need to, they need to undertake some efforts in order for him not to die right now. And, he, and then he even says, uh, gives him a little bit of further motivation. Uh, and he says that you've got people counting on you to come home. And this is when he kind of looks up towards the sky and he sees a kind of star in the sky. Man, it's six and, and Koichi. I, it's gotta be. Yeah. I was going to say, <laughs> if it's not that I did fail to look up and see if there was any Japanese, uh, like, um, I couldn't remember what the term was. It wasn't like superstition, but a kind of folklore or uh, whatever the case might have been uh, surrounding shooting stars. Omen. Omen. Premonition. But yeah. Omen. Omen. That was, that the was word. where we yep. came up with. Yeah. Yep. Man, I got to say, uh, I did not expect Koichi to, to say that he was going to drag him out of the neighborhood. Like when he was talking about how he hasn't seen six fly, my first thought was like, go straight up and then just drop him. I, I mean, I feel like that could damage almost anybody. Maybe this wouldn't take out six, but for some reason, that was my first thought. <laughs> yeah, and like I, I questioned the tactical thought behind that too, because currently Naruhada, the neighborhood that they're fighting in, everybody is either more or less safely ensconced inside. They've taken shelter or they've been evacuated out of what you know the perimeter created by the EMP blasts. Right. Uh, but otherwise, he's dropping this villain into an otherwise unprepared and unsuspecting neighborhood where there's just more civilian casualties out walking around the streets because nothing's going on, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, he's about to drop this bomb on the neighborhood next door, you know? That's what I was trying to figure out. I didn't know what is he planning on doing with Six, you know? <laughs> but that kind of wraps up Unless our he's... chapter here. Like, it's it's him, you know, trying to take Six away. Uh, and then we kind of see, like, Six get upset he's going on and on about you know how it's always koichi hamawari and we see a bit of an explosion it says boom and then that's the end of the chapter yeah his scar lights up and and it looks like it's starting to crack and i think that's an aesthetic that we saw when the anons were exploding yeah um so and we know that he's chock full of bomber cells so it's reasonable to uh to have assumed based on that panel that that he done exploded. Uh, now you wouldn't have guessed what was coming next though, based on that panel. I'll tell you that much. No, definitely not. Uh, we open this next chapter is one thirteen. It's named ultimate villain. And, uh, it's got a pretty cool front cover here of Koichi. He's looking very aghast and he's got like that lightning scar going down the middle. It's a pretty cool cover. This is a very comic booky cover too. I felt like it is. So we pick up with Six's inner monologue, and he's thinking to himself that he was, you know, going to be this this high speed hero o'clock. He's going to go right into that slot, basically fill in the gap that was left behind, and really the only possible person that could stand in the way of being the number one hero was All Might. So it's just kind of this dream that we've seen really represented from a lot of people throughout the My Hero universe of being this number one hero. And, uh, you know, Six is saying, well, it turns out 
I was wrong. There's one particularly pesky pest appeared to obstruct my life's path. And uh, he says that that pest is Koichi Hamawari, and he is the ultimate villain who stands opposed to my very existence. And in that last panel, like the text is just getting to this crazy monsterish font. And in the background, we almost see through what appears to be like a blast or rain is this like monstrous face. It's a really, really cool panel here. It is. It reminded me, you remember those, uh, now you, you were kind of a 90s kid a little bit early on, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, do you remember those kind of texts where like if you were looking at it on a piece of paper, it was hard to read, but if you've like turned it sideways parallel, yeah, yeah, you put it like parallel to the ground and you look down, uh huh, like across the screen, you can see it. I did that with the iPad and it, it actually, I, the text is a lot easier to read if you do that. Yeah, it's almost <laughs> like page. it's almost like someone took a squared image and then squished it, so it made all the text really elongated, you know. Yeah, it reminds me, yeah. did you ever do the uh, um, the puzzles where it would be like a crazy looking colorful picture and if you like crossed your eyes, you could see different things? I could never do them. Could you not? They were a big fad. Oh yeah, no, man, I, I love never sort things. that out. We had like 20 or 30 books of those. Jeez, they were, I thought they were just like posters at the like Scholastic Book Fair kind of oh, things. Oh no, you could buy like books, like filled full of like, they were normally like 25 pages or so and they would have different ones on each page. It was cool stuff, man. I was into that back in the day. I could never, I never, I don't recall ever having seen what I was supposed to see in those images. What? Really? No, I was into those. Yeah, yeah. I could always find them. I was just thinking it would be cool to have like a My Hero one of those. That's not something I think that has been replicated. It's never come back. It's not a new fad. I wonder if there's a term for those and if we could like commission a printing company. If we said, okay, here's the image we want hidden if they could scramble it up into oh, one that of those things. Cool. I bet that that's a thing, right? Ah, surely. If it's not, maybe we've got something. Edit this out. Yeah. Edit this and out. if it is, <laughs> yeah, and if it is, maybe we'll get one done for the A&P and give it away on a future episode. That would That'd be, be cool. kind of cool. Yeah, that would be cool. Let's get back into the action here on chapter 113. Uh, Six does successfully manage to blow himself up. Uh, Koichi is confused by this particular move. As would anyone rightfully be. <laughs> right. And as Koichi is drifting his way back towards the earth, he does look up and he sees a kind of uh, a ball and it's enshrouded in what looks to be like flame. It's it's a humanoid figure that is grasping itself almost in a fetal-like position. But when he extends himself to, uh, you know, a, 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 a like a standing kind of uh, uh, form, uh, it is arms and legs, and, and it seems to be uh, fairly translucent. You can make out a skull and a rib cage, and maybe uh, hips and some femurs, bone evidences of bones here and there. But otherwise, it looks like Six has become fire. He's just this elemental thing. Now. Yeah, he kind of looks like Ghost Rider, like without the leather. He does a bit. Yeah, naked Ghost Rider. Yeah. Did you ever? Um, I did a. This is kind of off the beaten path, but you saying Ghost Rider brings it to my <laughs> mind. I did a uh, like a. Uh, a review of the old Marvel swimsuit specials uh, a long time ago for Nerds on Earth. Maybe I'll link this in the uh, in the show notes. But uh, the Marvel used to do these swimsuit issues where they would draw their characters in, you know, whatever thematically or uh, appropriate bathing suits, and they were out playing beach volleyball and you know laying on the beach and whatever. Yeah. Um, and I, I made a comment about how Medusa, who's one of the Inhumans, I think. Yeah, she's an inhuman. Um, or an eternal. I think she's an inhuman. One of those two. Yeah. I think she's an inhuman. Yeah. And so sh- her 
she didn't really have a bathing suit. She just kind of had her hair. Obviously, she can manipulate it to make it do whatever she wants. So she's just using it to kind of taste tastefully, question mark, cover bits that otherwise would uh, be uh, obscured and covered by a bathing suit. And I made some sort of snide comment. That was like the second to last uh, entry on this list. And I was like, well, you know, there's no way that Marvel could show somebody in any less uh, of a bathing suit than that. And then my last entry was just like, I was wrong. And it's a picture of Ghost Rider who is depicted as basically fully nude because he's just a skeleton <laughs> on fire, like hanging out on a beach. That's awesome. So, that was pretty funny. I think I've I'll actually... I'll that in the show notes if I can remember I'm it. pretty sure I've seen that image of, of Ghost Rider somewhere. I don't. I definitely don't have any of those issues. Although, although I have like a metric buttload of comics, I don't have any of those. Yeah, it's pretty funny because like... Captain America is in like a board short deal, I think, yeah. or maybe maybe he's in a speedo, but he's reading a, the, a copy of the Constitution while he's that's his beach reading. And then you have like Cable, who has a hundred pouches on him still, even though he's like surfing or something <laughs> silly like that. I feel like they I've did seen, a really funny job with those. I've seen a really funny Wolverine one, too, but I cannot picture exactly what he's doing. But I know that there's a Wolverine one out there. Yeah. Well, be careful as you Google like Marvel swimsuit stuff. Or, yeah, uh, the internet Google is a weird that. place. <laughs> just, just, just go to the link that I'll put in the show notes. It's the safest thing for you. Uh, but Six's new form um, is appears to be this kind of like plasma being as the visage ends up explaining, and it just descends like a lightning bolt right at Koichi. Uh, Koichi does manage to Mister Mime in time to keep from taking too much damage, um, but he's concerned because this new form has placed. Uh, number six in a whole new league as far as like speed and damage potential is concerned. And what's interesting here is the visage is talking, um, kind of monitoring, I guess, from a nearby rooftop. And he says that this is entirely unexpected, a body of combusting plasma that's precise and quick. And we never realized this bomber, the bomber cells held this kind of potential. Uh, and he begins to continue to kind of explain or pontificate through this on the next page. And he says, your admiration of heroes, number six, has set you on your speedy path, and now your despair and rage will allow you to maximize your potential. You no longer operate according to my whims. Uh, and that's truly the greatest guinea, pag a man, uh, guinea pig a man could ever ask for. And in the midst of those panels, the visage of uh, O'Clock kind of disappears. It fades away, and we have All for One, who's battle damaged. This is post-big fight with All Might because there's tubes sticking out of him, and you can see some of the scars uh, on his face as some of the stuff begins to melt away. Yeah, you can even see like some of the uh, cords coming out of his like suit and kind of going off into the ether, which makes me wonder like, is this actually an image being projected? Like, what is happening here? This is these panels I thought were really cool. I, I these may actually be my two favorite panels from the entire two chapters, which I know is not much, but I liked these. These these looked really neat to me. This form is also called number six colon lightning style. And when I read this, I had the silly thought that I can't wait to see number six colon Gangnam style at some point. Um, <laughs> it just has these all these different style names. Gangnam style has got to come up at some point. I'm really I'm, digging I'm this, though. For it now. Like it reminds me a lot of Frieza. And I think you made the comparison at one point, too. Like it's just like one form after another and that constant power up. And this is it makes sense within the boundaries of what we know about quirks. Like they constantly seem to be evolving and powering up even more so when they're kind of unbound right like this this 
individual has a body built to perfect all these quirks he has. Like this is this is a really cool stuff that we're seeing here and we get thrown right back into the action. He's like got this brand new ability where his fingers seem to eject missiles, like homing missiles. So he's shooting all of these missiles at Koichi and they are absolutely tracking him. Like Koichi is having a hard time dodging these, but he is getting a few uh, pop shots off to kind of deflect them basically. But he's running yeah. really kind of like out of time here. Like he's, he's getting really hammered. Yeah, he's he's worried because there's too many of them. He's not able to shoot them all down, uh, and he his defenses are maybe maybe not proving ineffective. But he's worried that that they will eventually if six keeps going. Another weird thing that takes place, right? Um, and I've thought about this as far as like uh, this is an unexpected, previously unknown uh, transformation of sixes, right? Even all for one seemed unaware yeah. of it. Um, certainly six. Uh, probably hasn't been uh, in this form before. And he's just, he's proficient with it. Like as soon as he gets it, he knows all the things that, that this new body can do. Like there's no learning curve, you know, it's just like he has this new form and he's just like, I got finger missiles now and just does the thing. He doesn't have to discover it. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, it is pretty weird. I mean, but we've seen that with Deku happen too, kind of like with that new quirk that he got because it was him training with endeavor and endeavor literally being like hey stop trying to focus on two things do one thing and master it make it like breathing and then go to the next thing and then three episodes later deku's like hey i've mastered my quirk so yeah but this is this is mastery like this is true yeah like he he underwent a transformation and just knew it was like coming out of the matrix, right? Oh, I have finger missiles now, <laughs> you know, true. like he had jacked in and it's like, Oh, I know everything this body can do. I'm not complaining about it. It's just one of those things that it's not even obviously relegated to just this manga. There's lots of times where somebody experiences some sort of new transformation and it doesn't have to take any time to figure out strengths, weaknesses, new abilities. It's just like they, the, the figuring out of the weaknesses is usually the thing that is, uh, put on display um, and then the the proficiencies are just there they seem to just uh, become aware of them uh, that they have this new ability that's true so that's that's all i'm saying yeah did you notice that uh in some of these panels it almost looks like this lightning style has that like all might hair or like you know how koichi's uh, yeah. uh hood has the uh the, like the all might flaps i did they i i looked at them more as like horns that's true i guess but they could there be definitely is a but well, but there definitely is a visual similarity to All Might's hair, and thereby by association, Koichi's uh, hoodie for because it is All Might hair, uh, at least yeah, uh, a reproduction thereof. So yeah, it's it's kind of cool. The form definitely looks cool. Yeah, it does. And I was right. Like he's just gonna keep having more of these. I don't know. Maybe this is the last one. I don't know. But I I do remember saying at some point that he's he that we're gonna see more from him. Maybe this is the end. Maybe there's more. Who knows? Well, we end up catching up with some people I did not expect to see in these chapters, but I'm glad we did because we kind of left off really kind of randomly with them. Like we picked up with the, the Hata brothers and the, all the folks from the Nairu Hata fest. And we had me, you just run off and we weren't really sure what was going on. And then they just didn't address it, but we're picking back up with that. So me, is running down a corridor. Everyone is chasing after her. We've got the X-Men back and you know, everybody's like, Hey, slow down. What's going on? Why are you running off? Like, are you really just trying to find the crawler? And she explains that when pop, you know, was there or she noticed something and, 
you know, that she's being kind of vague. Like, I don't feel like she's really going into what is happening, but she explains kind of that, you know, if something bad happens to Koichi now, it's going to be awful for Pop whenever she wakes up, if, if Koichi's just gone. And the X-Men are trying to explain to her, like, hey, that's not your fault, but hey, you know, whatever. That's she's She's got this stuck in her mind. She is going to go find Koichi. And it doesn't seem like there's anything that anyone can do to convince her otherwise. However, something lights up the sky, and this totally stops her in her tracks. And we can only assume that it is the fight ensuing between Six and Koichi up in the sky. So her worst fears might be happening, like, literally right above her. Yeah, I had the thought that um, this chapter, my hero became Dragon Ball Z a little bit. <laughs> yeah, because it's a fight that's taking uh, taking part in the sky between two flying combatants, uh, one of whom, at le- both of both of whom, can shoot projectiles, uh, and it's depicted in a very DBZ like manner on this last page, where there's like uh, in Dragon Ball Z, a lot of times these people are moving and having these clashes. At, at such a speed where it looks like they're fighting simultaneously in several places at once in the sky. And that's that's this visual that we kind of get here. We don't actually see Six or Koichi in these panels, uh, this last two-page spread that closes out uh, this particular episode. But it's implied that they're up there somewhere amidst all of the booms. So yeah, just my hero uh, swerved a little bit into DBZ's lane uh, with, with this particular transformation and the location of the fight. Yeah, yeah that's actually a really good call out. Well, that is uh, the where they left us off for these chapters. So I guess we'll have to pick back up in two weeks. This felt like a weird place to leave off. Like I felt like this chapter was very short. Did you get that sense at all? They read very fast because they were heavy on action. They did a lot more showing than they did telling in these episodes. Yeah. Um, and like one of the one of the cons, I guess, of us doing just two episodes at a time is if it's battle heavy, if it's really uh, action oriented, then we can blitz through this because otherwise we're just describing visual panels because that's what probably 60% of both of these chapters were, was text list outside of some automatopoeia, um, you know, uh, clashes between Six and, and Koichi. That's a good point. Very good point. Well, I guess we will pick up in a week with uh, chapters 114 and 115. But before we leave this week, we've got uh, kind of a new interesting thing that we want to introduce and uh, have some folks start contributing. So why don't you introduce this to us, Atkins? Yeah, so we here at the AMP thought that we wanted to get in on this this Wordle craze. Uh, Adam, did you... Do, do you still play Wordle? Do you know what it, do you know what I'm referencing when I say yes. that? Yes. So I was playing it there pretty much almost every day. Uh, I just I think I've gone like five or six days without just because I've been super busy in the mornings. Um, but typically it's like the first thing I was doing there for a little while just because it kind of helped wake my brain up and you know sit down at the desk, drink a cup of coffee, get through that in a couple of minutes, and then I'm like ready to start my day. That's how I approached it too, and I batted a thousand with it for months and months and months. And I had uh, basically told the folks that I was having these conversations around the uh, the puzzles with and had basically said, listen, at, at this point, the streak is the reason why I'm playing. So as soon as I bust it, I'm going to stop. Um, and, and I also called the fact that the word that was going to get me was going to be one of those ones where I would have four of the five letters uh, correctly placed, and then that fifth letter could could be one of like six or seven letters to make a an English word, um, and and I just wouldn't pick the right one uh, in in the uh, allotted number of guesses, and that was it. I don't remember what the word was. 
Haven't played Wordle since. Um, but if you're unfamiliar with the craze, it's a word puzzle game where you're presented with a five by five grid. You guess uh, English words. Uh, it'll tell you which letters are in the word and if they're in the correct place. And then there have been like a hundred billion uh, derivations of that. You can do ones where you're trying to guess a country and you're trying to guess a movie and you're trying to guess a video game. You're trying to guess a song. You're playing four wordles at the same time or eight at the same It's the wild. The craze has just blown way, way out of, uh, out oh, of it's proportion in my opinion. Yeah. There was like, I found one the other day that was like a dungeon version. So like the, they were all yeah, just symbols. Some of the guys in the discord played out. Yeah. One. And I like, it's, it's, it feels almost like a novelty. Like it was kind of cool to play once, but then once I figured out one, I'm like, eh, I don't think I picked this one up now for the most part. Wordle has been fun, but you know, it's not like I'm missing it either. Yeah. <laughs> There's even one where it's like you're trying to figure out a math problem. They're, they don't give you any of the characters in it, oh, but you, you guess a math problem and it tells you if there's a plus sign, a division sign, a multiplication, these numbers, whatever. It's it's nuts. We're not doing that. The, there's no guesswork to what we're calling quirkle. Um, you don't have to plug in guesses and see if you get it right. Instead, what we're going to do is we're going to capitalize on ScreenRant.com's uh, published lists of Wordle solutions for the previous month. So we're coming at you. This is our first AMP episode in May. So the entirety of April's Wordle solutions are published on this website. We will include a link uh, in the show notes or the description that you can click. I would advise you uh, to, if you play Wordle, to attempt that puzzle and get it right or wrong before you navigate to this website because it does put the most recent uh, solutions first. So you have to scroll down to get to April's results. Uh, April had 30 days, so there are 30 words. And what we want you to do for Quirkle is go to this list and choose one or more of the uh, solution words and pitch them to us on Twitter or in the Discord and give us a quirk from one or more of these words uh, from this, from the previous month's Wordle solution list. And we're calling this Quirkle. So for instance, if Adam, you were going to pick one word from April's lists, uh, and give me a quirk idea based on one of these 30 words, give me, give me, give the listeners uh, a, a little taste of what, what we're looking for. Uh, so let's go with, uh, April 15th. This is Wordle answer number 300. The word is shame. The quirk would be the ability to maybe like you point at somebody and they are overwhelmed with an ashamed feeling. All right, a little psychological warfare. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I like that, a little manipulation. Or you can go with two words like uh, ample and larva. So the quirk would be ample larva, and you're able to generate maggots from your hands Ooh. Uh, with Ooh. very few physical limitations, uh, maybe something akin to Momo's with just a lot less uh, flexibility. You just, you just crank out worms. That's gross. Uh, that's... That's your that's your new power. So you can use as few as one, as many as you want. But the, basically, the quirkle idea is hit us up Twitter or Discord and say uh, pooling only from words from the previous month. So during the entire month of May, you're pulling from April, and then we will remind you when we get into uh, June that then you can move into the May words. Uh, but kick us a couple of get creative, get your creative juices flowing, come up with a new quirk, pitch it to us. Uh, let us know as much of the ins and out as you want, 
and we'll share those on the air, and we will occasionally uh, toss in some of our own just for funsies, because I think it'll be a pretty cool exercise. Remember, you don't have to, we don't have to work hard at providing you with a, a list of words. We'll just have the words linked for you uh, in the show notes, and you can uh, choose to your heart's content um, and uh, join in on the conversation, contribute to our episodes as we go forward. Yeah, that'd be a lot of fun. I think this is a lot of, you know, we had a lot of fun kind of getting those quirk names in episode 100 and then describing what they would be as we're kind of trying to build off that. And I think this is a great way to do it. So I'm looking forward to coming up, uh, coming up with a few quirks with everybody. I think it'll be really fun. I mean, just the two that we just threw out just now are pretty fun. Yeah. I'm putting some um, together like as we're talking. So, but I'm trying to keep it so that way other people can oh, as well. You? Yeah, this is fun. Like this okay, is just good. a cool, uh, cool little exercise. Yeah. It's like a weird version of boggle. Yeah, it kind of um, is. And again, it's, it's quirkle because we want you to come up with quirks using Wordle solutions. That's where we have come up with this idea. So uh, contribute to the discussions on the AMP. We will keep these to the AMP. So, uh, you know, we put out basically two AMP episodes per month every other week. Uh, and so as long as we have solutions, we'll keep uh, peppering those uh, out and attributing them uh, to you, the, the listeners who are submitting those. If you want to listen to Adam and I every week, you can do that, not just by replaying uh, previous AMP episodes, although you're free to do so. But we also have another podcast called Kyo Cinema, in which uh, the two of us sit down and we are watching through all of the Dragon Ball franchise movies in release order with an asterisk um, at the end of that statement now, because we, we've kind of cheated to kind of squish the Broly movies together. We just finished Broly's second coming in our latest episode, and our next episode is going to be covering Bio Broly. Yes, the uh, one that everybody loves. I hear it's the best Broly movie that's been made. That is not even remotely <laughs> true. I'm pretty sure it's going to be the worst of the Dragon Ball, the, the Dragon Ball Z3. I could be wrong because we did not very highly rate Broly Second Coming. That's true. Well, if you want to find out, tune in next week and uh, you will hear that discussion on Kyo Cinema and uh, check back in two weeks from now and you will hear us talking about these next few chapters and potentially some uh, quirkles. Yep. And if you never want to miss a thing that Adam and I are doing, just hunt us down on Twitter. Uh, at Almighty Pod. Uh, anytime we have a new episode release, we tweet about that. Uh, we also have a pinned tweet that provides you with RSS links to both of the podcasts, websites to both of the podcasts, and a link to the Discord uh, where our community is pretty chatty throughout the day. And you are absolutely invited uh, to discussions in all of those spaces with us and others who share loves for anime in all of its forms, uh, not just My Hero and Dragon Ball Z. So don't feel like you're stuck talking uh, about just those two franchises. We've got a lot of discussion flying around in those spaces about other things as well. Absolutely. We hope to see you there or see you in two weeks. See you guys. Thank you.